There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins, and sinners plunge beneath that flood, lose all their guilty stains. Welcome to Preach the Word with Brother Dean Carmichael of Greensboro. And now let's welcome our dear friend, Brother Dean. All right, friends, welcome to another edition of the Preach the Word podcast with Dean Carmichael Jr. We are starting a new series in the book of Exodus, and we're just continuing where we left off. We started with Genesis, now we're in Exodus. It is a very exciting part of the Bible. This is nothing more than a continuation of the story of Genesis. Now, the word Exodus means a departure or a way out. And it is the second book of the Bible, second book of the Pentateuch. And that word Pentateuch means five books. And they are literally the book of Moses. And as I mentioned, Exodus is literally the sequel. Nothing started and nothing is finished in this book. And there's a bit of a difference in size, though. Genesis covers a time period of 2,300 years, 2,315 to be exact. Exodus covers a time period of 216 years. And really, the focus is on about 94 of those years. So this time lapse that I'm referring to is mentioned in Genesis 15, verse 13. And he said unto Abram, Know of a surety that thy seed shall be a stranger in a land that is not theirs, and shall serve them, and they shall afflict them four hundred years. That is God telling Abraham what's going to come to pass. Exodus 12, verse 40. Now the sojourning of the children of Israel who dwelt in Egypt was four hundred and thirty years. So there's a lapse in time, at least three and a half centuries between Genesis and Exodus. But it is a continuation of the story. Seventy people went into Egypt. Now there are over two million. Joseph died. There's a new Pharaoh and now the people are being enslaved. Now the whole purpose of this message is to introduce the book of Exodus, but also to focus on the theme. And the theme of the book of Exodus is the redemption through the blood. Now listen to the words here in the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, verse 23 through 29. I'm reading here. By faith Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents because they saw he was a proper child. And they were not afraid of the king's commandment. By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. For he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. By faith, he forsook Egypt, 
not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as he as seen him who is invisible, through faith he kept the Passover, and the sprinkling of the blood, lest he that destroyed the firstborn should touch them. By faith they passed through the Red Sea as by dry land, which the Egyptians are saying to do were drowned. Now that is Hebrews eleven twenty three through 29 That is a very good summary of the book of Exodus. When you look at this book, the first 11 chapters, Israel is in bondage in Egypt. In chapter 12, you have the Passover. In chapters 13 through 19, you see the exodus of Israel. The law is given in chapter 20, and the tabernacle is built in chapter 35 through 40. The key verse, this very exciting book, is chapter 12, verse number 13. And the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where ye are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. The title of this message to introduce the book of Exodus is The Wonderful Book of Deliverance. The Wonderful Book of Deliverance. Now, we have established in this podcast that a type is a divinely appointed illustration of some scriptural truth. Derived from the Greek word tupos, it's an impression, a stamp, a pattern, or a form. Dr. J. Edwin Hartzell says that a type must never be used to teach a doctrine, but only to illustrate a doctrine elsewhere explicitly taught. In the book of Exodus, Egypt is a type of the world. Pharaoh is a type of Satan. Israel is a type of the total depravity of man, the type of man in need for a savior. And the Passover is a type of Jesus Christ. Moses is also a type of Jesus Christ in this book. I want to quote Dr. John Phillips here. says, What redeemed Israel from the house of bondage was the blood of the Passover lamb. Israel sheltered behind that blood, feasted on the slain lamb, and trusted God for salvation, full and free. Suddenly, the people were set free from bondage and death. Pharaoh's power was broken, and Egypt lay in ruins under the judgment of God. The whole story is a studied Old Testament type of our redemption by the blood of Jesus, the Passover. Lamb, and that is quoting Dr. John Phillips. We're looking at the Passover, and we see how this is to deliver the children of Israel from the bondage of Egypt. As we explore this book, as we do a little bit deeper dive into this book, as we continue to study, we're going to look at these ten plagues. There's the water turned to blood, the frogs infest the land, lice throughout the land, there's a grievous swarm of flies. Cattle of the Egyptians die, but the Israel's lights, their cattle's live. Boils to man and beast, there's hail, there's locusts, there's darkness. And then the firstborn is slain. We see how Pharaoh's heart is hardened time over time over time. And the Bible says in Psalms chapter 78, verse 49 through 51, He cast upon them the fierceness of his anger, 
wrath and indignation and trouble by sending evil angels among them. He made a way to his anger. He spared not their soul from death, but gave their life over to the pestilence and smote all the firstborn in Egypt, the chief of their strength in the tabernacles of Ham. We're looking at the wonderful book of deliverance. And just looking at this book of deliverance, this book of the Exodus, number one, we see the captivity. This is referring to Egypt as a type of the world. In Exodus 2, verse 23, And it came to pass in process of time that the king of Egypt died, and the children of Israel sighed by reason of the bondage, and they cried, and their cry came unto God by reason of the bondage. Their cry came up unto God by reason of the bondage. They were in slavery. They were in bondage. They could barely bear their own burdens. Sin has this world in bondage. The sin problem must be dealt with. If a person does not deal with the sin problem and realizes that the only way to to make their relationship right with God the Father is to accept what Jesus Christ did and accept him as their Lord and Savior. Without doing that, this sin problem will not be resolved. We cannot get to the Father through our own works. Religion won't do it. There is no amount of good works that can do it. Cain tried that. Cain tried bringing his best to God, and it was rejected. So Cain went out and built his own civilization and tried to prosper away from God. And now here is Egypt, a type of the world, and these Israelites are, are captive in, in this world. Number two, we see the captor. Not only is, is Egypt a type of this world, but Pharaoh is a type of Satan. We see the captivity, which is being in Egypt. Then we see the captor, which is Pharaoh as a type of Satan. This is a comparison I want to draw here and show how Pharaoh is a type of Satan by reading to you Revelation chapter 12, verse 3 and 4. Now, Revelation chapter 12, that is coming up on the middle of the week there in the Great Tribulation, or the Tribulation period. What I mean by the middle of the week is, when you have the Tribulation period, which is future, you have the first three and a half years, then you have the last three and a half years. That makes seven years. That's Daniel's 70th week. In the middle of the week there in, in Revelation 12, there are seven personages that are mentioned. And there's a great red dragon. And I'm going to read these verses. And there appeared another wonder in heaven. And behold, a great red dragon having seven heads and ten horns, seven crowns upon his head, his heads, and his tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven, and did cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman, which was ready to be delivered, for to devour her child as soon as it was born. When we study more in depth of Exodus, this will really begin to make sense. So there are three of the seven personages mentioned in those verses that I just read. You have Satan, you have the woman, 
And then you have the man-child. Well, let's start out with that red dragon. He's great. A great red dragon. Great. Matthew 4, 8, and 9. Again, the devil taketh him up into an exceeding high mountain, and showeth him all the kingdoms of the world, and the glory of them, and saith unto him, All these things will I give thee, if that will fall down and worship me. This is referring to his immense power. He's the prince, the power of the air. That is when, of course, he is trying to tempt, he is tempting the Lord Jesus. And we know that the Lord Jesus, he, he does not uh, give in to that. And he, he rebukes him with scripture, as we should as well. Satan is the prince of the power of the air. Here in the verse, these verses, he's offering the Lord Jesus to nations if he'll fall down and worship him. This speaks of his immense power. The prince, the power of the air. The red. John 8:44 what does that speak of Satan does not value human life Jesus said you're your father the devil and the lust of your father ye will do he was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth because there's no truth in him when he speaketh a lie he speaketh of his own for he is a liar and the father of it Satan does not care about human life we see the spirit of this today with abortion Six million Jews, um, we'll talk about six million Jews uh, and 11 million others. If, if we held one minute of silence for every victim of the Holocaust, I'm talking about the Holocaust here, I mentioned the, the, the Jews, we would be silent for 11 and a half years if we held one minute of silence for every victim of the Holocaust. That is amazing. Can you believe that over 61 million Babies have been murdered through abortion since the Roe vs. Wade Act in America. We see so much of this today how Satan is the prince and the power of the air. He's a dragon, the great red dragon, his immense power, his lack of care for human life. The dragon, it, that speaks of his viciousness. Now, I want to I wanna talk about the woman and the child. This woman represents Israel and the child the man child is talking about there is the Lord Jesus Christ why does that great red dragon why does Satan hate the woman and the child so much well the Bible says in Genesis 3 15 and I will put enmity between thee and the woman between thy seed and her seed it shall bruise thy head and thou shalt bruise his heel what does any of this have to do with Pharaoh first of all Pharaoh ruler of Egypt he was very powerful Remember, Egypt is a type of the world. Pharaoh ruled over Egypt. Pharaoh made slaves out of the children of Israel. Just like this world is enslaved by Satan, the prince and the power of the air. Pharaoh had no value for human life. He was very vicious. He had a hatred for the children of Israel. Exodus chapter 1, verse 16, and he said, When you do the office of a midwife to the Hebrew women, and see them upon the stools. If it be a son, then ye shall kill him. But if it be a daughter, then she shall live. Absolutely no value for human life whatsoever. Viciously murdering off the male babies as they were born. Born. Wanting to destroy the man child. This is one of many times Satan tried cutting off the line leading to Jesus Christ. Notice the hatred. The red dragon had in that scripture that we read for the woman and her child. This woman represents the nation Israel and the child 
represent is Jesus Christ. Why does he hate this child so much? We, we went over that. The woman is Israel. Now, some will try to tell you that this woman is the church. Some will try to tell you that this woman is the Virgin Mary. That is not true. We, when we compare Scripture with Scripture, it lines up this woman here in Revelation 12 is indeed the nation Israel. And there appeared a great wonder in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet, and upon her head a crown of twelve stars, and she being with child cried, travailing in birth and pain to be delivered. Genesis 37, 9, he dreamed yet another dream and told it to his brethren and said, Behold, I have dreamed a dream more, and behold, the sun, the moon, and the eleven stars made obedience to me. That's Jacob, uh, Jacob's son, Joseph. So, talking about uh, the woman, and that is Israel. I have another podcast called Bible Questions and Answers. That is on all major podcast platforms. It's through Anchor, but it's on all podcast platforms. I believe Apple Podcasts. Google Podcast. Uh, there's also a Facebook page for that as well. But myself and a good friend of mine, Dr. Brandon DuPont, we go over this in a little more detail. So if you want to look a little bit more into this, it's on season one. I uh, can't remember exactly what episode, around maybe 18 to 20 or so. But it, it, it we are talking about the seven personages. Uh, we're, we're staying in the topic of prophecy. And we're talking about the book of Revelation and answering different common questions, and we're looking at that thing in order, and we go more into detail around these seven personages and around the woman and the child and the great red dragon. When you look here at Pharaoh, he is no doubt a type of Satan. His power, his lack of value for human life, his hatred for the nation Israel, trying to prevent Moses, who was a type of Christ, from being born, is no more than a type of Satan. Then we look at the corruption here. This is referring to the total depravity of man. Reading that verse again, it says, And it came to pass in the proce in process of time that the king of Egypt died, and the children of Israel sighed by reason of the bondage, and they cried, and their cry came up unto God by reason of the bondage. Israel is a type of man's need for salvation. Man is totally depraved. What does that mean? It means that mankind is totally helpless in relation to salvation apart from Jesus Christ. Jesus saith unto them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Romans chapter 3 verse 12, they are all gone out of the way. They are together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. Romans 5.12 Wherefore is by one man's sin entered into the world, and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. Mankind is in desperate need for a Savior. You often hear a lot of Christian nationalists will say today, that America needs a revival. And friend, I cannot disagree with that more. And that may get me some letters, that may get me some disapproval uh, from whoever listens to this podcast. It, it may not. But I will tell you, the United States of America does not need a revival. Christian nationalists are so focused 
on America as a whole nation turning to God. Friend, let me tell you who needs a revival. The church needs a revival. The autonomous body of Christ, the individual churches who are scattered abroad the earth, especially those of us in the United States of America, we need a revival so we can fulfill what Jesus Christ gave us authority and commanded us to do, which is to take the whole word to the whole world, to declare the gospel of Jesus Christ. America does not need to be revived. Friend, America needs to be regenerated. Regeneration, that is a individual decision. A nation as an entire country, if we were to put the Ten Commandments back in the courtroom, and if we were to say that we are a Christian nation again, that would not save one soul. The only way an individual is saved is by the blood of Jesus Christ, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But my friend, that is a personal decision that one has to make. This world is totally depraved. Mankind is totally helpless. We are lost sinners. We need Jesus Christ. In Revelation chapter 5, verse 1 uh, one through four, it says, And I saw on the right hand of him that sat on the throne a book written within on the backside, sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the book and to loose the seals thereof? And no man in heaven nor on earth, neither under the earth, was able to open the book, neither to look thereon. And I, and I wept much because no man was found worthy to open and to read the book, neither to look thereon. What is that verse talking about? When the church is raptured out, there will not be wrath for the church. There will be rapture for the church. Before Jesus Christ can come, can come back to this world, this world has to be judged. You hear people say, if uh, God doesn't judge America, he has to apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah. Well, read your Bible. God is going to judge this world. But before he does judge this world in the seven-year tribulation, the church will be raptured out, meaning we'll be, caught, we'll be caught up into heaven. We're not going to go through tribulation. When you compare Scripture with Scripture, when you when you... Rightly divide the word of truth, that pre-tribulation view is scriptural. And there will be a day of Christ, which is the, the rapture of the church, where Jesus Christ will call his church up and we'll be raptured out of here. The Holy Spirit of God is going with us, and there will be a seven-year tribulation. The earth will be judged. This world will be judged before Jesus Christ will come back at the day of the Lord to set up his a thousand year reign, which is nothing more than a, a part of his eternal reign. But that thousand years is very important there. But before any of that can happen, this world has to be judged. We'll be caught up, we'll be taken out, but this world has to be judged. And John, he, he, this, this time period here in Revelation chapter four and five, 
you've got to understand something. And this supports a pre-tribulation view. The church is the center of attention. But now we're in heaven. So this is talking about that time in between the rapture and the tribulation period, which is in heaven. So notice what John said here. He says that, And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the book and to loose the seals thereof? This is referring to the judgments. And no man in heaven, nor in earth, neither under the earth, was able to open the book, neither to look thereon. What does that mean? That means that mankind is totally, we are failures. The Adamic race has failed. We are sinners. If we on our own righteousness were to stand in front of a mighty God, there is no way that he could accept us into heaven. And, and we struggle with this. Even, even in, in the independent fundamental Baptist church, we struggle with this because at the end of the day, we like to think that, that we are good people. For example, uh, there's just a couple of people I want to list to you here. You got, uh, Jonas Salk, the man who found the vaccine, who, who, who invented the vaccine for polio, Winston Churchill, FDR. George Patton, Douglas MacArthur, these are men without their names. Who knows what would have happened in, in World War II? Think of Harry Truman in, in that list as well, uh, fighting the evil Nazi Germany and their, their allies. These are people who would eliminate anyone that they deemed to be defective. They were monsters. And, and those men that I just mentioned, they fought. Uh, they fought them. They faced evil right in the face and, and defended of uh, the, the world. Some more good people. Abraham Lincoln, Chris Kyle, Fred Rogers. Then you, you go to the other side of things. You, you think of evil men. Adolf Hitler, Charles Manson, Jeffrey Dahmer, Ted Bundy, John Wayne Gacy, Ed Kemper. You can't say those names without feeling some form of evil. They're good people. There's all, also awful, disgusting people. But you know what the Bible tells us? Bible tells us we all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We're all sinners. We're all unworthy. Boy, there's a lot of arrogant Christians today. There's a lot of arrogant preachers today. We are all deserving to go to hell. Israel, you know, they got the leader they wanted. Saul, just like a lot of churches today, are getting the ones they want instead of the ones they need. Um, somebody that they want. But boy, we're just... Man, we have it all figured out, don't we? Uh, we, we think that, that, that we're good enough and we're, we're so arrogant. We feel that without us, nothing can get done. But let me remind you of something. Of the eight dispensations that are in the Bible, the age of innocence with Adam and Eve, the age of conscience with the flood, the age of human government at Babel, the age of promise with the Egyptian bondage, the age of law that ended at Calvary, the age of grace that we live in now at the church age, the age of the tribulation, which is future, and then that millennial kingdom, the 1,000-year reign, all of those dispensations, you know what they have in common? They end in man's failure and God's judgment. Mankind, we are failures. I know that's harsh. I know I sound like I'm gloom and doom, but it's Bible, 
And we need to understand and we need to grasp that without Jesus Christ, we are nothing. Without Jesus Christ, we will spend an eternity in hell. There is no salvation apart from Jesus Christ. In those verses I read there in Revelation 5, verse 1 through 4, and how John said in verse number 4, And I wept much, because no man was found worthy to open and to read the book, neither to look thereon. And one of the elders saith unto me, and this is referring to the church, it said, Weep not, behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, have prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. Who is that? That is the Lord Jesus Christ. Worthy is the lamb that was slain. Without Jesus Christ, friend, we cannot inherit salvation. Without Jesus Christ, we cannot serve. We cannot even live the Christian life apart from him. Which leads, leads me to my last point, which is the cure. This is referring to the Passover. That word Exodus is a way out. Quoting Dr. Tom Wallace of the Digest of the Old Testament, he said, To set forth the great truth of the whole Bible, he's referring to Exodus here, the deliverance of man from the bondage and slavery to sin and the world. Dr. John Phillips, whom we also already quoted, Here's another quote from him. It says, In Exodus, it is made crystal clear that redemption rests upon the shedding of the blood of the Paschal Lamb. Each individual personally must shelter behind the blood. The Lamb must be without spot or blemish. The date of its death was set by divine decree. That's Dr. John Phillips. Exodus chapter 12, verse 13, And the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where ye are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. And we'll close here. We'll fast forward to Romans 5, verse 6 through 9. For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die Yet peradventure for a good man, some would even dare to die. But God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more then, being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. Until next time, may the Lord bless you. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe, sin had left a crimson stain, he washed it white as snow. Thank you for listening to Preach the Word with Brother Dean Carmichael from Greensboro. You can email Brother Dean, preach the word 87 at outlook.com. Preach the word 87 at outlook.com. You also can follow our dear friend, Brother Dean Carmichael, on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Dean Carmichael Jr.